Life Her Podcast. Her is me, her is you. Her is us, her is she, her is we. United we stand, baby, that her for keeps. I'm coming and I demand my space. I know it's free. I owe myself the world. They tried to count me out. I've been down some dark roads. They tried to pound me out. From cloudy to sunny, ain't think that I would make it out. I needed positive emotions to fill me out. God, I'm so honored and blessed. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, you are welcome. Thank you for being on Life Her Podcast. And what I love, Dr. Fayola, is your bio. It is mm. breathtaking. It's inspiring. And I know for a fact you're going to uplift a lot of women from your background history and even your spirit. I feel through you through the phone. It's mm. even beautiful. And I really appreciate you. And I pray that everyone listening right now will understand and feel this woman and feel inspired and even reach out to her for even guidance because she has all the power of the tongue to speak healing in your lives. And and I feel that already. So thank (laughs) you, doctor, for being on the podcast show. Well, I'm honored and delighted to be here. Yes, definitely. So please. Share with us some of your background. I know you got a long history, but you can sum it up a little bit. Tell okay. Something, something. <laughs> I need a little something, something. I ain't gonna, as, as the new word I've been catching, I ain't going to drop the whole tea, but I can a sip of the tea. <laughs> yeah, a little dab of do you. Just a little taste, just a little taste, just to quench your thirst, but the rest you're going to have to get the book or you're going to have to sign up for something. I'm just joking. I'm just I am I'm honored to be with you all today. Um, all those who are listening, just let me tell you, huh, I should not be here. I should not be clothed in my right mind. See, I am a child of two immigrant parents from the country of Haiti. I'm one of three children. I'm the middle child. Yes, as middle children are special, but I thank God done gave me an extra dose of specialness okay, for the challenges okay. that I had to go through from as a kid. I had various health conditions from epilepsy to migraines to skin diseases uh, to uh, being molested numerous times as a child. So from the time that I was born, the enemy was after me. But I thank God that God called me before the foundation of the earth. And in my journey uh, with being molested numerous times, it's like a Pandora box. It opened a can of worms. And when I say that, meaning to the point I was attacked by the spirit of lesbianism. I never walked into that lifestyle, but it would attack me to make me feel like I was one. Uh, I also was very promiscuous. Praise God. Uh, I never caught what I should have caught. But, you know, I was very promiscuous. And from that spirit of promiscuity and sexual immoralities, it led me to pornography, watching pornography. I was addicted to it. I I could not go to sleep without watching it. Then I fell into masturbation from somebody I was dealing with because it was a long distance relationship when uh, many, many years ago, almost about 13 years ago and fell into that. And I'm telling you, when you open up a crack, the enemy takes the door. And from there, I was being attacked in so many different ways that to the point that I actually went crazy. I had a mental breakdown because I was like that Jobina experience. You know, Mm. in the Bible, uh, Job uh, 
toxic, you know, Job goes through some challenges. He loses his family. He loses his livestock. He loses his house, everything. Almost lost his life. But the Lord would not allow the de devil to take his life, but he made him sick. So I really had all that, but I had no family. <laughs> I was a single woman losing my mind. I was sexually harassed in seminary. Uh, during that time, there was the earthquake in Haiti. And then I lost my uncle, who's like the Dr. Martin Luther King for the Haitian community. Then mm -hmm. I lost my faith. I said, there must not be a God if I'm doing all that I'm supposed to do and life is hitting me left and right till I would found myself homeless. I lost everything because my mind was not right because financially things were falling apart. Uh, I was homeless for about nine months. My family was looking for me. I was, I went to go visit family in New York and never made it back home. And so when I tell you that there are some spiritual warfare attacks, that's why, you know, I tell people, don't play with God. I tell no. people, if you have a calling on your life, don't take it lightly because God will chastise in those that he loved. And he brought me back into the fold. He brought me back into church. I left church. I said, I would never go to church again. I'm a worshiper. I am, I, I, I function in the fivefold ministry. I stopped ministry. Because I said, I must not be serving a good God. Let me go look at Islam. I really was thinking about Islam. I said, let me go look at shamanism and Hinduism. So I already was educated on different world religions because of the classes that I took. Because I was always intrigued by ministry and spiritual understandings. And so I said, let me go, let me go serve one of these other gods. Because this God right here, <laughs> I'm about to lose my mind. But long story short, after being homeless, making my way back to South Florida, from the Northeast area, I had to move back in with my parents and reinvent myself. And fast forwarding, God has blown my mind the last eight years when he has restored me to the point that I have no need, no lack, that he has called me to be a conduit of wealth, that he has called me as a prophet to the nations, that even in this pandemic alone, he has called me to start two TV ministries on a global platform, that I have access, capacity to over 350 million homes around the world. From somebody who should have lost their mind, from somebody who was homeless. That's why I tell people, the way you see me come is how you're gonna get it because I know where I should be that I'm not. If you see me, I don't look like what I've been through, but I thank mm -hmm. God every day. And that's why I share my testimony because I want to encourage somebody else that, you know, no matter how life hits you, you get back up again. Yes. No, no matter how many lemons are thrown your way, my God, you make some good behind lemonade and you make it better than Simply and you make it better than Chick-fil-A, okay? <laughs> Yes, definitely. And you know, one thing I, I could say from the history that you had as far as molestation, porn, masturbation, lesbian, sexual harassment, homeless, from all of those things, what I admire about you out of all that you've been through, because I never knew this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so People be surprised. Yes, seriously, because looking at the fact that you are a doctor now and you um, started your career as a lawsuit, as a licensed partitional nurse in a high school while getting your high school diploma mm -hmm. at the same time, that ain't nothing but pain into power. You were getting ready to do. <laughs> 
seriously and that and that's so powerful because even though you went through all of those obstacles in life and those trials and tribulations you still found your purpose Mm. and it's a lot of women that are listening today they need to understand it doesn't matter what you go through in life it has to be a way that you find your purpose start loving yourself and value yourself and know who you are to continue to move forward because you are that walk-in testimony doctor seriously Mm. you definitely are and i applaud you for even accomplishing so much and in time for just for you even going through that girl I had my mouth open like what (laughs) (laughs) like I could I couldn't believe it because it's just so much you have done like so much giving back you have been doing and everything well you know sometimes I have to even remind myself my own testimony (laughs) yeah seriously well you know you know sometimes when we remind ourselves it give us another boost of energy to keep going too. Yeah, yeah. Be <laughs> like, oh, shoot, I came this far. I need to keep going. What I makes you? Right. What makes you the most proud of yourself? What What makes you the most proud? Wow. I would say what makes me the most proud um, is two awards that I've received in the last year. The first one is um, getting an honorary doctoral degree in ministry because I I did attend ministry uh, to be trained in ministry uh, for two and a half years. And that's when I was sexually harassed. So I did not get to finish my degree. So to have an institution, to see it as worthy, not based on my academics, not based on my papers, not based on my grades, not based on my quizzes, my thesis, my dissertation, but based on my life based on me being uh, faithful to the assignment that God has given me as a as an apostle, uh, as a fivefold ministry leader, walking in the prophetic and the apostolic. So I'm truly always going to be grateful to Dr. Blanche Davis, who's the president of um, Trinity School of Theology, and as well as my mentors who nominated me, uh, Dr. Marie Etienne and Dr. Constance Miller. And not only that, not only did I get an honorary doctoral degree, they also ordained me as a pastor. Wow. Yeah. And these are not that. people that I was trained under. These are individuals that saw my work from afar. Wow. So that speaks a lot. And you know, some people yeah. are like, well, you got a you got an honorary doctor. I said sometimes an honorary doctor is much it holds more weight than an actual doctor. And I'm not taking credit away from those who were trained and went through school. I eventually will go and get my doctorate in nursing, our leadership, our business. But for someone to look at your life and say mm-hmm. it, you equivalent to that capacity, that's a terminal degree. That's not an easy plight. And the second thing I would say is I'm, I didn't um, get to go to the award ceremony, but they're going to push it back. Uh, for April due to the fact that um, COVID-19 right. by the International Healthcare, uh, International Forum of Health uh, Advancement in Healthcare. I am one of top 100 healthcare leaders around the world. Wow. At 38. Who knew? You don't know who's watching you. That's why you always got to walk in the spirit of excellence. That's why you always got to do what you're going to do and you do it well. If you say you're going to do it, do it well. If you're not going to do it, don't do it at all. Do it at all. 
I say that all the time. My mom used to tell me that. <laughs> yeah, she'd be, she be like, you better gym. shut it down. That's our first thing. You better shut it down. <laughs> I thought it was a scam when I got the email. I'm like, who? Nobody knows little Fayola's name. <laughs> a little Haitian, Haitian American girl from Miami. <laughs> wow. But you know, your gifts make room for you. And that's oh, yeah. why I know that God called me into the healthcare industry because I actually tried to leave to go to law school. I said, you know, I really, uh, nursing used to be a health, it used to be a service, but it come, it became a business. And I've been in it over 20 years and I've seen the evolution not for good. And so I said, let me go to law because I know in our communities, we need more advocates for the legal system. We need yeah. to educate people about uh, the legal process. But as many times as I took that LSAT, as many times as I applied, I didn't get into the schools that I wanted, even though schools did write me to tell me that they would give me scholarships and et cetera, et cetera, but not to the schools that I want. Uh, God said, you could try, uh, 10 years, I think it was about, he said, you could try as long as you want. That's not where I called you. So when I took my happy little tail back to nursing, <laughs> that's when I began to flourish. And I'm currently right now doing my nurse practitioner. Uh, I'm in management at a long-term care facility. I serve various uh, nursing professional organizations. Uh, recently got uh, invited to two honor societies at my institution. And I was invited to the International Honorary Society for Nurses. Wow, what a And blessing. I receive another award from another nursing organization. Yeah, so it's Girl, obedience. Girl, family, you better tear it up, dear. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obedience you. is yeah, better than sacrifice but, but you know what the people don't know even though you you are accomplishing all of this it's just the fact of you giving back and i see mm -hmm. that you have been dedicating yourself to many numerous natural disasters of mm -hmm. hurricanes and even the coronavirus could mm -hmm. you tell me a little bit about your experience even being hand in hand witnessing it with your own eyes of how these disasters are. Well, you know, my first encounter with uh, disaster relief was in 2010, uh, the the earthquake that took place in January, January 10, uh, 2010. Yeah, it was 2010 uh, in Haiti. I was actually in seminary. And the funny thing is I was fasting and I was about to, that was my last day of my fast the day the earthquake happened or the day before the earthquake happened. And I said, okay, my fast is over God. And he said, no, you can't be released from this fast. So I'm moaning and complaining because sister hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I said, God, I did my assignment, but little did I know that in the spirit, I was interceding for a nation that I was not born in, but I'm connected to because I was born in Miami. And so that next day um, I was in class. Some God said, open your computer. So while the professor is giving the lecture, I open my computer and I see that Haiti had a natural disaster. They had the biggest earthquake they've ever seen in the history of that country. And my heart was broken because six months prior, I was in Haiti burying my uncle. And we went to the White House because the president had called our family to give condolence. So we ate with the president of Haiti at that time. You know, we I just walked through the White House. We were walking through all these uh, big places in the country because they knew my family and they were giving condolences and respect to my uncle who had passed away. And so to see that same place that I had placed my foot in, 
uh, was broken in half, literally. That's I remember it was on Yahoo because I had a Yahoo account at that time. It was on Yahoo.com's front page and I saw the White House in Haiti torn in half. Wow. And my heart, I felt like a woman who had given birth and lost her baby. And wow. I was like, God, why is this connection so strong? First of all, I, I don't know what it's like to be a mother, but that's the, that's the feeling that I felt. And so, of course, uh, feeling all these emotions, I was like, okay, what do I do? You know, do I go there? Do I get, so I got my church involved at the time I was, I was living in North Carolina. So I asked my pastor, you know, I said, hey, this is what's going on. And, you know, it's all about being at the right place at the right time because I was a board member of the, of the nonprofit foundation connected to the church that I had a say. So that's where you got to be careful where you place your feet and where you got to be careful how you conduct yourself. That mm-hmm. I was the youngest board member of this organization that they listened to me when I said, we have to help the country of Haiti. And so they, over five years, they donated $50,000 and they told me to go and do an assessment. So I didn't tell my family I was going because if I would have told them, they probably told me not to go because it was like maybe a week right after the earthquake, few days to a week after the earthquake. So I called my cousin, who's a doctor, and I have cousins who are in politics or in government. So I called them and let them know so they could, you know, position me properly and let me, you know, get movement around and stuff. So I went to Haiti. It took me five days. I lived in North Carolina. I had to drive to, um, I lived in Charlotte. I had to drive to Atlanta. From Atlanta, I had to take a plane to Puerto Rico. From Puerto Rico, I had to take a plane to Dominican Republic. From Dominican Republic, I had to take a bus, 12-hour bus ride into Haiti. Wow. And so to walk around and kind of do the assessment coming back and letting the church know. So over the five years, they they uh, gave the $50,000. So that was my first experience. But that was my worst experience because there were so many spiritual uh, encounters that I had that I did not realize. Because after coming back, I, I was I was getting beaten by the devil on every side. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, did you experience yeah, yeah. that? Because, you know, uh, after you being there and witnessing so much and helping so many people, it you end up becoming a, under attack. Correct. Once it's and over. I didn't know that because I was not educated in spiritual warfare. I okay. didn't know about, you know, I mean, I knew of the devil, but, you know, I didn't know about witchcraft. You know, I, I was naive to those things. If you're not from the, if you're not born in the islands, you really don't connect with it unless your family does it or if you know people who do it. But I mean, I grew up in a Christian home. I, I you know, I'm a, a Christian family. You know, both sides are very religious. They're involved in the church as ministers, pastors, nuns, priests. So I, I wasn't exposed to those things. So fast forwarding. After 2010, I went to a mission trip with, um, uh, it was a cruise, it was a cruise, it was a ministry that does ministry on a cruise. So we went to Bahamas, we did, um, we didn't do disaster relief, but it was more like a humanitarian. So I started to enjoy giving back again in that respect. And so then after that, um, I went to, I think after that, we went to Bahamas. Bahamas last year. No, actually, I, I did a mission trip with Mandodo Foundation. Every year they go to uh, mostly the southern part of Haiti to give back. So I went in 2017. And then 2019 is when the 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 uh, hurricane happened in Bahamas. And it was so devastating. And I didn't know why God connected me. Like, literally, I, I mean, I sacrificed a lot, even my education that semester. 
Um, wow. Because God said, this is your assignment. And I was like, I don't have family in the Bahamas. I mean, I've been to visit and have fun, but I, you know, I don't have any strong, strong or family connections there, but God gave me that assignment. So I worked with Haitian American Nurses Association of Florida, uh, Haitian American Professional Coalition, and many other organizations. It was a, it was a, it was a good 18 plus organizations that worked to do uh, disaster relief. So we went to Bahamas, <clears throat> we did medical mission, we gave food, we gave uh, medicines, we gave uh, different things that they needed because uh, we were working with some people that were there. And our president of HANA, the Haitian American Nurse Association of Florida, she's from the Bahamas, so she had connections there. And so that was an experience I realized that, God, I have to, I know this is part of my assignment to do disaster relief. That's why I started a a construction company in 2017 to assist with disaster relief and and, natural disasters. I also am a contractor for Florida Power and Light. So around hurricane season, they will contract me to take care of their contractors. So I would see the backside of disaster relief and what the workers have to go through when they are doing cleanup and other different relief efforts. And then... um, this year for COVID-19, as a healthcare professional and management long-term care facility, you know, overseeing a facility that has over 200. At the time, we had 290. Now we're about 240, but our capacity is about 270. Uh, dealing with our COVID unit, overseeing that, sometimes actually having to work directly uh, with those uh, patients when we had short staff. And then mm-hmm. I actually am the chair of a COVID-19 task force for Haitian Alliance Nurses Association International. So um, COVID is a real thing. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. I tell people, don't take it lightly. Even though I had a patient tell me, well, I don't need to wear a mask because number 45, Mr. President doesn't wear a mask. And I said, well, I will be staying far from you. And if you need to speak with me, you're gonna need to wear your mask. <laughs> right, <laughs> seriously. So it, it's, a, and you know, people ask me, you know, how do they get involved when it comes to natural disasters or why do I serve? It's something that you have to be called to because you have to be mentally oh, uh, strong. You have to be spiritually strong. And that's one of the reasons why I actually went back to get my nurse practitioner degree is because when I go to these mission trips, I don't want to just be a bachelor prepared registered nurse. I actually want to make a difference and working alongside the physicians to be able to be more of a service in, in treating and diagnosing and managing diseases as part of, as opposed to just uh, doing nursing duties, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Man. So on a personal level, on your hard days, because I know some days you have to do a lot of self-care for you. Mm-hmm. On your hard days, what motivates you to get up and start your day? Truth be told, there's days I don't want to get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I figured that. So so what pushes you to get up out of there? <laughs> Glory. Well, you know, I'm a worshiper. I love music. So that's definitely one of the ways. And when I sleep too long, I start having nightmares. So I know that God told me to get my behind up out of bed. But, you know, it's I tell people this when I work with my clients as a coaching consultant. I said, what would you do if when they say they don't know their purpose? I said, what would you do every day that puts a smile in your face that you would do it even though you don't get paid for it? For me, that's helping people to live out their purpose. That for me, that that's 
making a difference in the world. I recently said, girl, you smile too much. Why are you always, I'm telling, I'm having a conversation with myself like two days ago. I'm like, why are you always bubbly? Why are you always cheerful? I mean, I would, as even as a kid, I would talk to the walls. My parents would tell me when I was a child, I would talk to strangers and just have a conversation. I am just that people person. And especially in times like this, there are people that are really suffering out there. Yeah. Whether it's COVID-19, whether it's because they're furloughed, they lost their job, they lost a loved one, think life is not going right, children acting up, family acting up, their health, their finances, whatever the issue is. And if I could be a, a light of hope, that was actually one of my first nonprofits when I lived in North Carolina, Light of Hope Foundation. I said, if I could be a light of hope for somebody, because I should have been dead, I should have lost my mind. And there was a spirit of God that was with me. And as a child of God, as an ambassador of God, that's my assignment. Mm. I have to go help the world, not necessarily to be healed because, you know, that's a big assignment, but I have to do my part. And if that's me just getting up out of bed and smiling at somebody, if that's me just getting up out of bed and, and saying good morning to somebody, then I've done my job. And that's really what wakes me up every day to know that I'm on an assignment. And I cannot yes. allow that enemy to win. Just like there's there's a there's a saying or a post that they always put up. Uh, the devil, the devil. Uh, when you something about when you wake up in the morning and you put your feet on the ground, you shake the enemy's camp. I'm paraphrasing. That's not exactly what it says, but something along those lines. I want the enemy to know I'm not messing with him. Mm-hmm. He done made me be a dog chasing my tail for many years. And now that I know that I don't need to chase my tail and I know which direction and the identity and the power that I have, I will not give him the opportunity to win. He can't win anyways. He's already defeated. But I will not allow him to play with somebody else. Yeah, I, I understand that. Now, the things that you've been through in life early on before you have become to so successful how can women find their true purpose and strength on a daily basis what advice do you have for women that are having that hard time to overcome their hardships first uh before you get to the process it's a process before and i went through this uh and anything that i share i'm always my first student i'm always my first client my first patient And for me, my process was first forgiving myself. When I was molested numerous times, I asked myself, did I cause it? I felt guilty. And I had to realize that it was a spirit. I had to realize that it was an attack of the enemy. May I ask how old were you? Let's see. So the first time it happened, I must have been seven. Wow. Give or take. First time it happened must have been seven. And then up until adulthood, like young 20s. And it was crazy. Like, and it wasn't just men. These weren't just, you know, some of them were people that my, you know, friends of the family, like one of the, the first, no, it wasn't the first, but yeah, I guess it was like the second person that was like very traumatic experience. He lived with us. He was someone who came from Haiti. He was he lived with my because, you know, uh, in the Caribbean culture, when someone comes from their, their home country, they stay with somebody until they can get on their feet. Right. So he stayed. Right. With us. He molested me. He molested my sister. And I, I think he almost tried my mom. So he was very, you know, blunt and, and very I mean, it was just an evil spirit that you would attack the children and even the wife of the person that is letting you stay in their home. 
Like wow. that, I think for me, that was the icing on the cake that even when I saw him years after he would come visit us, I would never open the door, even as an adult, even as a, an older teenager. I was like, my parents are not home. Or when I saw him, pee, like I would peek through the window and I saw it was him, I didn't even answer. I didn't even reply because I just felt so disgusted. You know, and so that was about that. That would be about the same time. I think the last time after being harassed, before being harassed in seminary, I was in my early twenties, and it was men, women, and children, because I didn't. I I I felt so paralyzed when someone would violate me that way. I didn't. I didn't. You know, I couldn't open my mouth because I was just like, I. You know, I'm just traumatized. Like, why is this happening over and over? So I thought it was me. So I used to wear my brother's clothes. I used to dress up as a boy because I'm like, well, maybe because I was a thick girl, you know, and and and, you know, had the boobs at a young age and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So I would hide my femininity to see if that would protect me from being molested and being attacked sexually. Wow. That's just mm -hmm. that's that's deep. Yeah. Just for you to even go through it more than once. It's yeah. just so many times repeatedly over and over by numerous of different ages and everything and it just shows your strength and your courage to even just even talk about it now but you're speaking life into others when you speak it though yeah you and know? I had to realize that because yeah. the word of God says you overcome by your testimony and I used to like I was sharing with you earlier I was very ashamed of my testimony like how could someone who's well educated my I didn't even know I was poor until I went to college because my family was the first for the computer we were the ones that always had food in our house we never went without anything you know we never went without any any need or any lack and so it was not until I went to the University of Florida I was like wait a minute I'm not rich I thought I was but you know we were part of the working class middle class family but you know i always tell especially women you have to heal from inside out you have to forgive yourself whatever yes. it is and even i had to come to a place to forgive all those who had violated me even if they didn't ask for an apology they didn't give an apology mm -hmm. and they, they didn't get to say it to your face or yeah. anything and you know that's that's a lot of things that stop us from moving mm -hmm. forward in life because we're holding on to things that someone did to us mm -hmm. and we're the only ones holding on to it when they done moved on with their lives. Yeah. And, and you know, they're, they're laying comfortably in bed and you tossing and turning, re replaying that situation in your head or just victimize, victimizing yourself more than the, than the predator did. Yes. And if we speak more about it, and we let it be free and not feel mm -hmm. so ashamed and embarrassed mm -hmm. or, you know, even though someone may not have believed you when they, when you told them what happened, you still have your rights to speak about it because it could help the next woman and it can help you heal by you continuing to speak on it and understand that it wasn't your fault. That person just had issues. Correct. Yeah. And so once you heal, that is the first step, forgiving yourself, forgiving those who did you wrong, whether they, they give an apology or not, healing from it. And then after you are healed, because you have to be healthy and whole, because if you continue to walk with your scar, you will always have your scars, but if you continue to walk with the baggage that your, you know, your experiences have given you, you can never live out your full potential. It's like a dark cloud 
Yes. When it's filled with rain, it's, it becomes dark because of precipitation. It changes. It metamorphs into something else. That's why there's a scientific research that was done. When you have two uh, glasses of water, one that you would speak positive uh, into and another one you would speak negative into, the one that was negative, it turned black because the vibration would, would change the molecules of the water, of the H2O, of those um, chemicals you know, the molecules in the water would change. And so it would be, it would turn dark, like a black color, but the one that had positive, you were speaking positive over that vibration, allow the water to not change its consistency. Mm-hmm. There was no meta, there was no change in the chemical, the chemical structures of those molecules. And so we have to understand it's the same thing that if you continue to walk with your baggage with a chip on your shoulder, you just, you're, you're never letting your, your scar heal. So it's always going to be an open wound, but once you can heal from the, because wounds heal from the inside out, not from the outside in. So you have to do the internal work. You know, for me, that was, I had to go to sabbatical. You know, some people may have to do counseling. Some people may have to actually speak to a therapist or psycho psychologist or psycho uh, psychotherapist or a psychiatrist. You know, for me, mine was going, <laughs> I always say the joke is I pay $60,000 in seminary to sit on Jesus couch because that's where God did his work for me. But everybody has a different way of their process. And so once I got past, you know, healing and realizing my story and the challenges that I had, then I started to see where I can make the com- I can identify the common threads in my life to understand mm. what is my purpose. Yes, yes, I'm a nurse. I was told that I'd be a nurse since I was a child, but what is my actual purpose besides my profession? And that's, that's where I great. tapped into being a coach, a consultant, a speaker, an author. You know, God has blessed me that I've, I've won international awards on all those levels. God has blessed me that I've written eight books. I'm working on my ninth and my 10th book. And, you know, it, 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 once you find your purpose, it's like, it's like, a, 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 um, it's like a, a faucet. Once that purpose, uh, you know, that you turn the purpose on, man, it's like you're oh, unstoppable. Yeah. You are so unstoppable. And and then you'll become like addicted to it because oh. it's like that like that feeling you get, you like, oh my God, yep. am I feeling like this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you even on your bad days. Yes, even on your worst days, you be like, Look, these kids get on my nerves, these ministry people get on my nerves, my patients <laughs> get on my nerves, my stuff. I'm for real. There's days I be I, in my mind, I'm like, I'm quitting my job. I said, today is the day I'm giving these people my paper. I mean, I go into the job sometime just hyping my own self up so I could be upset. And I come in, a staff member would tell me a joke, a patient would say something funny to me, and I forgot why I was upset. I forgot how bad my day was, but I know I'm living on purpose. Because when you live on purpose, nothing can stop you. You're unstoppable. When you find out what those common denominators are, once I started to realize like, hey, even in my my worst days, I had strangers come up to me and tell me the worst stories. I'm like, who are you? Why are you telling me? I'm like, really? I'm like, I got my own issues. At the time when this first started happening and I started to make the, the connection, I had just moved back to my parents' house. I didn't have a penny to my name. If I needed to put gas in my car, if I needed to make sure my account doesn't go negative, I had to ask my parents for quarters, nickels, and dimes. My parents were giving me rolls of coins. Wow. At 30. 
after I lost everything and had to come back home. And I remember one day my dad told me, why don't you just go to Walmart and get a job? I was offended. I was like, because that wasn't what you wanted. I mean, he because they were getting, you know, because literally every morning it was like, I was like a kid all over again. Every morning when I woke up, I would get dressed. I didn't know where I was going, what I was going to do. And I would ask my parents for money at 30. Wow. And I guess they were getting tired of me knocking on their door, <laughs> asking for money. That, you know, that's the response he gave me one day. And I was offended, but I knew I was in an assignment. I mm-hmm. knew there was purpose. Because I said, God cannot make me ashamed this way, that out of all my parents, three children, that I am the one to make them ashamed, that I am the one that has to come back and ask my parents for quarters, nickels, and dimes with two, three degrees from the greatest institutions in the world. Something's not right. But once I started to tap into my purpose, my God, I didn't care if my dad told me that 30 times. I said, can I have my quarters, nickels, and dimes, please? Because I knew God was doing something on the inside of me. I knew he was shifting me. He was changing my focus, my perspective. He had to rebuild me for what he really wanted me to do and be because I was tainted. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, you know, because John Locke, who was... um a theorist? Was he a theorist? Well, anyways, John Locke had a the- uh, theory that we are white blankets when we born into the world. And it's our experiences and the things that we come in contact with that writes out our tapestry, that writes our story. It's just like I'm looking at this uh, uh, Word doc and it's a blank paper. But once I start typing, that's when I see the letters come up. And it's just like your life. Your life is typing on your white paper uh, the white paper that is your life, and that's how you have the, uh, your, you know, your behaviors, your thoughts, and all these different things that make you the person, the character, the personality. But God said, "I have to cleanse you, so you can yes. know your true self. That Take out so the true. trash." That is so true. <laughs> oh goodness, you know, you definitely speak your life into being so living. No, because it and you know, there's so, you know, because some of us, unfortunately, when you're not living on purpose, you're not living out your assignment, you are walking dead. Yeah, it's like you a whole zombie. You don't took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> a whole that was that was the next- to, yeah, and trying to figure out who you are, and you so mad at everybody else mm. off your own life when you mm-hmm. need to be mad at yourself. And figure out what your purpose is so you can make things happen. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Dr. Miles Monroe said, before I leave this earth, I'm going to empty out myself. And I tell you, that day that great man died, it was a rainy day in South Florida. And I woke up in the middle of the night, my spirit was crying. And I said, why is my spirit grieved? Why am I crying in the spirit? And God said, just pray. So I started praying. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed until I fell asleep. Then I woke up that next morning or later that morning, and I heard the news. And God said, his mantle has been released. Just, I got, I'm getting goosebumps as I'm sharing this. He said he died because his purpose was completed. He wow. emptied out himself. Him, his wife, and I think it was like a few other people from his ministry or his friends or something that died in that fatal uh, plane crash. And he said his assignment was completed. And he said, and I was like, well, why? I meant I was not a, you know, not like I was a fanatic of Dr. Miles Monroe. He's a great man. I love his books and his his uh, messages and his thought process. But I was not like close to him as far as following him every day. You know, I would listen to him once in a while. And God said his assignment, his mantle was released on the earth and it was scattered. That is just like um, Elijah 
when he was taken up uh, by the the fire, fire. chariot. Yes, yeah. by the fiery chariot. It's the same mm -hmm. thing because he had to scatter his mantle on the earth. Mm. That's why he died the way he did. And I said, my God. And I said, that that has been my philosophy now. I want to leave this earth empty. People say I do too much. People say I'm all over the place, but I have to get comfortable with myself. And that's why I tell women, know who you are. Know what your gifting and talents are. When you know your purpose, you don't care what they say to you. No, you, you don't. just keep going. You keep moving. You keep thriving. So once you heal from the inside out, once you start looking at the common denominators, because like I said, people kept telling me their stories and then they asked me what to do next. And I was like, I'm dealing with my own issues. But I realized there was something that they saw in me to come and tell me things that they never shared with anyone else, things that they were going to take to their grave. But they saw something in the inside of me to share with share with me. And then they would ask me my 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 um my opinion, my advice, or give them suggestions, whatever, then that's when I realized not just as a counselor, because I was going to uh, seminary as for pastoral counseling, but as a coach and a consultant for the secular world to understand that that is my connection. That's why I had to go through what I went through because I can't help you overcome homelessness if I've never been there. I can't help you right. overcome sexual abuse if I've never been there. I can't help you overcome uh, 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 you know, bankruptcy or financial issues if I've never been there. So I had to go through all these experiences, not for myself. And once you realize all that you've been through was never about you. No, it was it's about for you people. to help the next person. Right. Then you move past the pity party. Because I would tell you the day God literally called me out of darkness, I was sitting in my parents' house and it was dark. No one was home. Because when I moved back to my parents' house, I had the biggest pity party. You know, there was times they would look at me. They was like, did you take a bath? Did you brush your hair? I mean, I was a hot mess. And they knew something was wrong because I'm that, I'm that, I'm not flashy, but I like to keep myself very nice. And they knew I was not myself. And I tell you this one day, nobody was home. I heard someone call my name and I'm walking around the house. It was pitch dark. And I said, there's no one here. Maybe I'm hearing things now. Now I'm already depressed. I said, maybe I'm, I'm psychotic now. But then I heard the voice a second time and everything in me shook that I knew it was God calling me out of darkness. Wow. And that's when I realized this was not to break me. This was to build me. Build and once I started to have that mindset, it, I was, it was a done deal. It was a wrap. The know, enemy you know, couldn't have no more power. Sometimes people don't realize when they in darkness and and if they end up listening to the signs of God, he'll bring you out of it. And he, and he definitely will. It's like that connection that you will have with him and was mm -hmm. within you already. It's just you have to tap into it. And when I tell you women who are listening, I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you have done. Your story is not over. Oh, no. This too shall pass. And yes. it shall work for your good. That's what the word of God said. He said all things, not some things, not the good things, not the bad things, not a few things. It says all things, A-L-L, -L, shall work for the good of those that love the Lord according to his riches and glory in heaven. And so I want to encourage you, if God can use a little girl like me, to do his work imagine what he can do for you if you go through those steps healing finding your purpose 
And once you find that purpose, don't listen to anybody to stop. There was times that I had to ignore my parents because yeah. they didn't understand the they assignment don't understand. that God had given. Yeah. A lot of people won't understand. My my mom used to do the same thing of trying to tell me, even though on a, on a lot of cases she was right, mm-hmm. but it's just the fact of me living that purpose and witnessing and being a testimony mm-hmm. and helping someone else with it. Mm-hmm. And that's just that 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 moment of it. What is what is one thing you wish more people knew about women's superpowers? Hmm. It's transformative. And I say that because in my 20s, it was a different decade. But in my 30s, you can't tell me nothing, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, look, I thought I was a bag of chips in my 20s. I'm a bag of chips times two with icing on the top and a a bling bling on my finger, okay? You better say it. And it's, and it's just the same thing with the seasons of life. Women's mm-hmm. superpower. Do you know? Ooh, I don't want to get deep here, but women. Do you know what you carry? You carry the seed. The mm-hmm. man may give you the seed, but you carry the seed. And I'm not just talking about birthing children physically, but whatever God has placed on the inside, you carry the seed. That's why Eve is, is, is um, when you turn it into the Greek, I believe it's Greek, it means life. Mm-hmm. you bring life into the world you bring life to wherever you go I don't care if you used to be a stripper I don't care if you used to be a drug dealer I don't care if you used to, if you you were in, incarcerated I don't care if you murdered somebody because all sin is, is the same so we just going to put that out there right now so you could tell the enemy he could stop lying to you because if God can do it for Paul who was Saul and who murdered people, if he could do it for David, who came, who became king, who was an idolater, who was a murderer, who done all these different things, God can use you no matter what mess you've been in because he's going to take your mess and make it a message. He's going to turn your ashes into beauty. And beauty. so I speak to you, woman. I speak life into you. I call you from the dark place that you have been in, whether that's depression, whether that's self-doubt, whether that's uh, having your pity party, whether that's uh, feeling inferior, whether that's waiting for validation, whether that's waiting for love for a man or woman, I speak to you and I call you out of that dark place. And I tell you to come into this light that God has for you. Come into the good things that God has ready prepared for you. Because for such a time as this, every woman under the sound of my voice, you have an assignment from God and it shall manifest and come to pass. God is not a man that he should lie in his word shall not come back void. And as I say that, he said what I called you even before the foundation of the earth. What I said you would be even before you came out of your mother's womb your life choices cannot deter god's plan for your life Uh -uh. it may Uh be a detour but it's just like especially here in south florida you know every time you turn around they doing construction god is going to reconstruct you god is going to put you on a construction plan that when he builds you it's going to be for his glory he's going to take your ashes he's going to take the things that you've been through and he's going to just like uh jesus spit into the mud to make that blind person see god is going to take the mud which is the mess of your life the poor decisions that you made the 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 experiences that you had in life he's going to spit in it he's going to breathe life into it he's going to breathe his rokadesh the holy spirit into it and it's going to let you see who you really are mm-hmm. girl listen you done spoke life into me too <laughs> come on now 
that's what it's all about. I'm not a fe- I'm not a feminist, but I tell you, this is the woman's year. This is the oh, woman's yeah. season. Whether you I voted agree. for, you know, our, our vice president elect or not, I believe there's a prophetic. There is God is make God is doing something because women have been put in a back burner for far too long. God said there's so much greatness. We there's a woman in our lives. God is greatness. Mm-hmm. And you are the one holding yourself back. It's not anybody else. Mm-mm. You stop, better point, stop blaming others. Come on. There's a point you can't blame your, my parents are from a third world country. When they came into the United States, they didn't know about American, American, you know, American ways and the culture. So I lived in a predominantly white neighborhood and I would see these kids, you know, Danielle and Sarah, you know, they'd be hugging and kissing all over their parents. They'd be saying, I love you. It was the age of 10 that I, I mustered up enough faith to tell my mom I loved her for the first time. Because in our, in the Caribbean culture, especially the Haitian culture, they're not very affectionate for the most part. There are some, you know, they, they may be, but my parents weren't affectionate. They believed they gave you a roof over your head they make sure you get a good education they make sure you have clothes on your back you never needed anything they 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 saw that as love but they didn't realize you have to be affectionate this is the american way of life and once i realized that i had to change my perspective i could have fought my parents from where they came from what they know because that's all they knew that's all they've been exposed to but now it's my assignment now as my eyes have been opened as I have a deeper understanding of cultural things, I have a deeper understanding of the things of God that I now have the consciousness that is now my my responsibility to know right from wrong, not my parents anymore. So, you know, your mama issues, your daddy issues, I don't care if you're 20, I don't care if you're 30, you're 40, 50, I don't care if you're in your 70s and you still got parent issues. It's time to throw that up, throw that out the window. Yeah, you just can't keep dragging it along. It's like making an excuse to mm-hmm. find pity. Yeah. yeah. You know, and some after, people do it unconsciously. After so, yeah, after so long, it, it can't work for you. It won't work for you. Because if, if God has moved forward for you mm-hmm. off the things that you said, you should be able to move forward off things that someone else done to you too. That's why that's why the Lord's prayer says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven. Give mm-hmm. us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespass. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You know, your prayers will be hindered when you don't forgive. Forgiveness is one of the number one reasons why people's prayers are not answered. Forgiveness is the number one reason why people's hearts are hardened. Forgiveness is number one reason why people are not living authentically as believers of God. Yes. And you got to forgive within. Once you say, God, I forgive and all this and that, you can't backtrack and, and regroup the whole forgiveness. You know, we need start- that. <laughs> you know, and talk about that person again, and, and you know, just doing it all over again. And you just backtrack. Y'all, you got to start all over from square one. <laughs> so go ahead, march on back to one <laughs> until you move on up again. <laughs> Come on, because you so your close. blessings. Yes, you be so close to that blessing, and then your tongue and your mm-hmm. actions will get you in trouble. That's why you got to be careful what you say because your tongue has the power to speak life and death. 
Mm-hmm. I do, and, and it may not. Who you have in your circle. Oh, yeah, and the same thing God is showing me. You got to be strategic. Because mm-hmm. some people say they love you. They don't really love you. No, they just they love what you, you could do for them. Come on now. They love what Come you on. do for them. And some people just like to witness your blessings because they're praying on your downfall. Mm. But you don't know certain blessings are being stopped because they are still in your life. Mm-hmm. And only way they're going to be, you're going to receive those blessings if you remove them and keep them away. Let me tell you, there was a point that I even had to keep my parents out of my business. Girl, poof. And I still love them. I had to love them from a distance in a certain season of my life. Now we good. But there was a season I had to literally love my parents. And it hurt me. But just like Jesus, he said, those who do my father's business are my mother and father. When Jesus was looking for him. And he was doing the Lord's work by sharing the message. You know what's so funny? My mama and daddy. (laughs) But you know, you know, sometimes our parents, they have they have lived in fear so much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they place their fears upon us yep and and don't us don't want us to do certain things because that's not what they used to or the things they've been through they want us to avoid that part mm-hmm. <laughs> so and sometimes their protection can be distracting too yeah. and let and let you learn along the way so that you could figure things out but we go listen to them because sometimes they do be right but <laughs> at the same time let, let me let me bump my head a little bit yeah you have to <laughs> and it's not that you know they don't mean well sometimes god we have to realize sometimes god does, will not well how should i say this sometimes people won't understand what you're doing because god did not reveal it to them yeah and it's not it's not their journey so you just have to be wise in this in this season. You know, you're going to have to let some friends go. You might have to let some family members go. You might have to let your boo thing go. If your boo thing is not helping you to be better and they're not speaking into your life. Let me tell you. Oh, I'm getting real personal right here. I had an ex who said, you know, you should think about doing certain things like going to nursing school because I was at the time trying to go to law school. He was like, you know, you should... Uh, um, it was a, some other stuff that he was telling me that I should do. And I was like, no, no. You know, I was that woman that knew what I wanted to do and whatever. And I was like, no, 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 no. I am not, you know, I, I do beauty pageants. So I've never represented Haiti. He's like, yeah, you know, one, one of your beauty pageants, you should have a title represent Haiti. I was like, well, if it happens, it happens, but it's not something I'm chasing for. Uh, and then it was something else he said that I should do. And I was just like, you know, having my little sassy self, what did I end up doing? I went to nurse practitioner school, which I'm in right now. I am Miss Haiti Excellence 2020. And I'm trying to think what the other thing he has said. We, when we were dating, we had these conversations. And we have to realize the men who are in our lives, I don't care how good he look. I don't care how much money he make. I don't even care how he makes you feel sexually. I don't care how big his thing is or whatever rocks your boat, whatever is good for you, make you feel good. If he is not speaking into your future, if he is not speaking to make you a better person, you need to cut him off. Mm-hmm. Because now in hindsight, I'm like, this man was speaking all up in my future, encouraging me to be this better woman that I am today. 
but I was already, I got my plan. This is what I'm doing. Da, 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 you know, whatever. I wasn't trying to hear nothing. It was like, no, 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 no. And look at, oh, it came to pass. So if your boot thing, I'm not saying your husband, if you, if you married, you got a husband, you need to pray on it. I'm not telling you to divorce your husband because all these, you know, sometimes we just got to pray for the men. So you go in yes. your prayer closet, you handle your business, but you look at yourself first. Don't just say everything is your husband because it takes, just like it takes two to tangle, they say, it takes two when there's a, a situation. Somebody may have, uh, be the bigger problem, but both of y'all are the problem. Whether mm -hmm. that's your response or your, whether it's your, your initiation or your response to the situation. But if you are dating someone, they are not encouraging you to do better. They're not encouraging you to be better. Then you need to ask yourself, is this person really good for my future? Is this person really good for my soul? I would tell you one time I was dating this other guy. And I was talking to an older lady and she was like, the guy you dating now, if you married him and he never changed, would you accept him the way he is? Do you know I jumped out of my seat? I ran around the people hotel screaming and crying. Ooh. That next day I broke up with the dude. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I can't be with no deadbeat. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Take the money out of my pocket. <laughs> and we only been together. Seriously. We only get the, we only been together for two months. I said, oh, uh, I, 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 I broke up with him the next day. Exit that, right to the left. Come on now. Because <laughs> I need to upgrade myself. Because when she said it, it hit something in my spirit. It's like Fayola, wake up. And, and I'm going to tell the truth. I know this relationship was not good. This was like last year or the year before, about a year or two ago. I knew this relationship was not good, but I was like, well, maybe I'm putting my standards too high because I've been single for far too long and I'm trying to get married and have kids, whatever, whatever. I'm like, well, maybe, you know, his life would change. Or maybe they, no, the same way I see him. And regardless if he has potential or not, if I married him today and he never changed, will I be okay with who he is? I say hell to the knock. <laughs> Man, I don't know how we got here, but I somebody needed to hear that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm dropping all the tea. Y'all ain't getting sick. Y'all got two cups of tea already. <laughs> A whole gallon. <laughs> Come on now, for real. I'll make sure I send an invoice to each one of y'all listening. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, I have well, a sense of humor. Please don't take me seriously. I have a sense of humor. Please don't take me seriously. <laughs> it's okay. Well, Dr. Fayola, I really appreciate this conversation. I appreciate the knowledge you share, the testimony you share, the education, everything that about you is amazing. It's empowering. Keep going. Thank and you. Thank you. I just, I love every moment of it. We definitely going to have to keep in touch. Really oh, of course. Of course. And I think you have an event coming up next year. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> no, it will happen. Just keep me posted. I love to support anywhere I can. Yes, definitely. I really love that. Yeah. And I, well, I want to share this opportunity as I'm so grateful for uh, having the opportunity to share with you all and encourage you. You know, it's one thing to be moved. It's one thing to be inspired. That's why I'm starting to shift away from motivational speaking to actually transformational speaking. Because I, I don't want you to just hear my story, my testimony. Oh, wow, that's cool. I'm, in, I'm encouraged. I'm inspired. But then after tonight or tomorrow, you go back to the same life. 
So I would like to share an opportunity with you. I just recently launched a group coaching program. It's called Winning in Life with Coach Fayola. And it'll be working with me. Uh, it's a, it's a, um, a, a group coaching program. So it's not one-to-one, -one, but there's opportunities to do one-to-one -one coaching if you like. But with this group coaching program, it's only $25 a month. The first month is, is $50 because there's an administrative cost of $25 and then it's a $25 monthly fee. I will waive that $25 monthly fee. And all you have to do is pay the first payment would be only $25 instead of $50. And during this process, it's an opportunity, whatever area of your life you want to work on, if you want to work on um, your career, if you want to work on relationships, your finances, your spiritual life, your physical life, any area of your life that you want to work on, I come as a coaching consultant. I come as an educator, professionally trained educator, and a, a, a healthcare provider. And I'm also doing my life coaching certification as we speak. So that should hopefully be done sometime next, uh, the beginning, the first quarter of next year. But I wanted to share that opportunity with you all to take it to the next step. Let's win in 2020. We still have about um, uh, about 45 days, give or take, for 2020 still be the best year of your life. Oh, yeah. If I could tell you what God has done for me, if I could, if I could test, this is nothing. I didn't even tell you what God did for me this year alone. I gave you the backstory, but if I gave you the current story, you wouldn't believe me because I can't even believe in myself. The only time that I know I'm in a pandemic is when I'm at work. But when I'm at home handling my business, I forget that there's a pandemic taking place. That's how God has been blessing me. And also um, to be prepared for 2021. Don't wait until December 31st or January 1st to do your New Year's resolution. Start now having a game plan to know what is 2021 going to look like? What do you need to do to position yourself properly? So I wanted to share that opportunity. Once again, it's Winning in Life with Coach Fayola. It's a group coaching program. I'm waiving the administrative fee. So instead of paying $50 for the first month and $25 afterwards, because it's a monthly subscription, you will only be paying $25 a month each month. And so um, I hope you take advantage of that opportunity. You can go to coachfayola.com. That's C-O-A-C-H, F as in Frank, A-Y-O-L-A.com. It uh, gives you the information. You know, we're going to do marketing opportunities, uh, discount on event services, everything that I've been able to do and master. I'm going to share my trade secrets with, with you. I'm going to share my contacts with you. I'm an international award-winning speaker, international best-selling author times two, number one Amazon best-selling author times two, international healthcare professional, international award-winning beauty queen. I'm at the list goes on and on. I've mastered success and I want to share my success secrets with you. So I hope you all would take advantage of that opportunity. Yes, y'all better. Sure. <laughs> for real, for real. Period. Yes. Because <laughs> listen, who wouldn't want to be mentored by someone just so amazing? Especially your spirit is beautiful. It is Thank so you for you as well. I just I commend you for this platform. I know you had uh, you have a whole variety of people that come on, and I think that is so important. You know, when we allow various different types, because you don't know who your audience is. You know, especially yeah. in the global world, you want to be able to reach everybody. Yes, and that is my goal. That is definitely my goal. So I've been 
Thank you everyone for tuning in to Life Her Podcast, where we help heal women all over the world. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Life Her Podcast, and check out our YouTube page as well. And make sure you subscribe. You can also look onto our website and you can purchase merchandise and listen to the podcast episodes. I am Yvette Lloyd. I am Life Her. Love yourself, ladies. Take care of yourself and others you love dearly.